so it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Tai Kefu! Did he get it? That's the match winner! That is the match winner! Kefu will never score a more important try. And look at the Wallaby players. That is the green result they wanted. It's a heartbreak for the All Blacks. Welcome back and it's another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. Everyone's favourite episode because it's time for our way too early Wallabies predictions. Yes, that's right. We are halfway through the Super Rugby AU season now. Super Rugby Artiloa is still rolling on as well. Six Nations is almost up and Major League Rugby is just getting started. I'm joined with Toby and Leo and we'll quickly zip through the games, the Super Rugby AU games at least from the weekend. And then we'll, we'll get into the meter stuff. I'll let you boys tell us, tell me what you think about your Wallabies 15. But starting on Friday night, Super Rugby went back to Melbourne, Amy Park. It's been over a year since they've had rugby down there. And the Waratahs came to town and it was, went a little bit as we expected. Melbourne Rebels pretty dominant in this game. Probably, they probably thought they could put more points on than this, to be honest. Um, they win 33 points to 14. Waratahs get two late tries. Uh, stop the Rebels getting any bonus point out of this. Um, but still, Tars couldn't get a point on the board till the 76th minute. Yeah, and again, I think we're probably going to differ a bit on this. I, I don't think the Waratahs were um, a, like a, a score to nil team the way they played in the first half. They weren't amazing. But there were definitely moments where they looked um, more more un- more unified, more smooth. Like combinations seemed to be developing. Um, I think the Rebels were very strong in defence, and the Waratahs probably made a couple of errors at critical moments. But I don't feel like that should um, sort of negate all of the good build up. So I feel like they're showing more in the build up. They're still not executing well enough, often enough to get the points on, but I think they, they are actually hopefully like showing improvement after the bye week. And as this super rugby AU season rolls on, I don't think they're the same terrible team that's being pasted every week. I think there is some signs of life and maybe the scoreline flattered them a bit late, but also, you know, I could have seen them scoring one of those tries a bit earlier through, you know, a couple of things going differently. Um, Certainly the last try seemed a bit sus. we I think any of us think that was a genuine try, but sort of was irrelevant in the scheme of things by the end of the game. Yeah, I, I would concede that that second last try was a, a good piece of play, but I just I think their attack at the moment is just pretty impotent, and they're so predictable in what they're doing. Don't enough, don't offer enough, you know, variety in attack, and so I just don't think they're creating those opportunities. So when they actually did, you know, throw the ball around a little bit, chance their arm. They were able to create that opportunity down the left-hand side and produced a pretty good try. Um, but I almost think they've taken a slightly backward step from maybe their performance against the force. Um, and I'm almost cheering for them to really capitulate so that we do see some major, major change in New South Wales rugby, um, which from a Waratahs fan's perspective, that's pretty sad that I want things to almost blow up so much that we we see some real change. 
and we don't just limp through the rest of this year. Yeah, I understand that. I, I don't know. The thing I'd worry about is whether they'd um, remove the right people. They'd probably just remove the coach, remove some players, and be doing the same thing they've done all along. Um, the, well, maybe the we difference- can't. Maybe we can't see real change until next year in terms of we just need to make better signings and that's not going to happen until 2022. Yeah, that's right. There's no point in... I think you just let them let them see where they can get to, look for look for some promise, look for some potential. Um, and, you know, if they are building a little bit, then just keep, keep going, see where that goes. Um, I think a big difference in that last 10 minutes, something that was really annoying me watching this game, uh, guys like Parecki... Also, Jack Dempsey, particularly Dempsey, every opportunity in attack sliding out to the wing, like the last man out, he was the, he was the winger. And off one of their set pieces, I, I was watching for it mid-game thinking, is he going to do it in like the first and second phase or is he just end up there as a course of things when they start spreading out? He moved out to the wing almost immediately. Like what other team puts their number eight out on the wing all the time I would, I would go as far as to say no team chooses to do that and that's a player choosing to do that. And I don't know if he's just being allowed to do it or he's just, I don't know. It, it's, it's bizarre because it's such a waste. Like he's, been, he hasn't been... I mentally, know, man, a, lot of, a lot of teams do that. Like, they're number eight. Some, yeah, like, like, scored no two tries on the wing for the Brumbies. Two yes, true. But is he always out there? No, the he Hurricanes doesn't move out there. The is perennially on the wing, either Riccatelli or Dan Coles. I, I stop saying Dan Coles. It's Dan Coles. Yeah, Dan Coles. <laughs> um, I think Parecki offers you know a fair bit out there because he he can, you know, it's a bit of a point of difference. But Dempsey probably does need to inject himself through the middle more. I think mentally he's already over in Glasgow, and it's whether he's protecting himself for for this future contract because he doesn't seem he seems frustrated. Which is you know why wouldn't you be? But I think he does need to step up and show his experience and show more leadership within a team that doesn't have much of that. There's no doubt that like we need teams need some of the forwards mixed in around the backs. And yeah, there's some teams where guys like Samu float out there on occasion, but I think that comes as part of the, uh, as part of just the flow of the phases and as it develops and, you know, they might be, you know, setting something up intentionally versus, what what um, Jack Dempsey was doing is just literally taking himself out to the wing and and sitting out there and doing nothing for multiple phases. And that just means you get the same churn of guys coming through the middle. They're getting more tired. There's fewer guys to clean out. There's just not as many numbers. So I see that. I couldn't. I didn't know why that was happening. It, it seemed like a waste. And then all of a sudden, Jack Dempsey's central to at least the first try. In, in the latter stages of the second half. He was there. He'd had like three carries in a row and helped build that momentum. So stuff like that, are, you know, they need those guys to pick up their game, get involved, and just, you know, a few more finishing touches executed well. And I think this team scores more points and are in these games. I think a real noticeable shift was in the narrative being spun by uh, um, Rob Penny after the game. He's kind of, I think, he'd come to the end of his tether a little bit in previous media, media interviews, and I think they're actually getting some momentum on upsetting him. And I think he took a, you know, a different approach this time. He was a lot more balanced. He didn't 
kind of get into the to and fro with Roz Kelly kind of after the game. So I think that's good. That's a positive. I think that's a learning that he needed to take because obviously, like he said before, he hasn't experienced such a tough start or, you know, such a tough season with any teams he's coached. So this is kind of new territory for him. But I think he just needs to keep his head. And if he's not going to be kind of as calm and collected as he can be, I, I don't see how the team can kind of keep that, um, I don't know, just keep some sort of calm within that leadership group, within the whole setup. Because Newsom's pretty, he's pretty green as well in terms of leading the team. So I think Penny, you know, it's important that he keeps his head and kind of can keep them on, on the tracks a little bit, even though there's so much pressure on them. Two questions in terms of changing personnel um, with the Waratahs before we move on. One, Isaiah Pivarisi is going to come back from his suspension from that first game. Do you think he gets another chance? And do we get to see a little bit more of Tane Edmund at some point this season rather than just off the bench? Is it is it crazy? I, I don't know enough about Tane Edmund's background. Is it crazy to think that he could go in and play fullback from minute one? Because... I feel like that's an opportunity I'd like to see him get because he looks balanced on the field. He's he's kicking at the end of the game, seems solid. Uh, he's another he's like another um, pivot you can bring in to help balance against Will Harrison, so he's not copying all the hits. It seems like something they could try. I just don't know if his background actually includes any time at fifteen. That that's something I'd consider. But yeah, I can see him coming in absolutely if they want to. Get away from Maroa needs to go. Maroa, who Maroa has good had enough. some good games. He has yeah. had some better games. He's he about two games ago. I thought he actually had a pretty good game as an individual, but yeah, like this last game, he's... not so much. And I'm happy to see him turn over. He's looking a bit heavy and tired and just getting run around. Um, but he's putting in some good hits, he's putting in the effort. Hard to hard to penalize him when he stepped in, um, with Prizzi and Walton going down. and but yeah, I, I think Prius um gets another chance, even though his massive brain snap that got him his red card is almost inexcusable for the start of a season. Like that's a pretty big you know, spanner to throw in when you've been prepping all preseason in this arrangement. So I think they get back in, they see what he brings, and if he doesn't perform for he does something dumb again, yeah, squad member only. I actually think I'd be putting Newsom back on the wing. I'd bring Maddox back to fullback because I think Nwagani Tawase has been, he's been very present and he's been involved, but I just think he's been, again, impotent. Like it's just, he makes poor decisions continuously. He just, he looks like rattled a lot when he has the ball in hand, almost, you know, too indecisive. Um, don't you think so I don't like him back at fullback? improved on the wing though? No, I think Maddox had a terrible game on the weekend, but I think he's way better at fullback. And I think actually by making that switch, yes, Nwanga Nitawase is way more involved, but I think I'd rather have Maddox more involved centrally at the back there. I think Mm -hmm. he makes better decisions. I think shifting him around doesn't help things. Newsom's not really a centre. I'd put him back on the wing. I'd probably drop Nwanga Nitawase. I'd be starting Parise at 13 and probably Edmet at 12. And trying to unlock, you know, the outside men through this, you know, extra ball play with Edmed on the field. Don't know whether that really disrupts your defense. That's probably the only thing I'd be worried about. But 
from an act, like attacking perspective, I think that would be a lot better because Will Harrison needs some assistance as well, particularly now that he's carrying an injury. Mm. Couldn't even do the goal kicking. Um, yeah, it's just a real hodgepodge. That that backline is just all over the place. They haven't found any sort of cohesion. And yeah, I acknowledge that they did lose two of their first choice centres, but Parisa, I think, could be an option there at 13 more longer term. Um, we still need a 12, but I think for now, Ed Med showed enough that he probably deserves an opportunity. Mm-hmm. What about the Rebels guys? Is it just sort of a bit more of the same? They're showing strong defence, a bit of consistency, and they get the win? Great try from Tamua. I mean, that's all I want to say about him. I think, you know, it's good to see some excitement coming out of his, his gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, although I... Hopefully he's not carrying any sort of injury. He went off a bit early in this one, but Rebels look, again, they look decent and they're actually scoring some tries now. So they're kind of growing into their season well. And I think they're definitely the, you know, the best contender for third place in this AU um, competition. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, they, they're building well. And I guess they always were maybe maybe they weren't in the right end of the field. They, they spent a lot of time just trying to control the ball and they weren't quite getting into the opposition 22. And when they did, they weren't scoring. Now those those last uh, movements, last plays seem to be coming off. So obviously Tamu's one-off effort was just amazing, something from nothing. Um, you don't see that very often. So that's great. But even the other tries, there was some slightly, I'm going to say not, or I shouldn't say fluky stuff, but like, some lower percentage or more more difficult execution um, to finish those off, and they did that. So you know that's that's saying that their uh, opposition in the Tars were actually defending them pretty well, keeping them out. And it took something special to break that line, and because they're playing better as a team, and they're building scoreboard pressure, and they're building territory um, territorial pressure, they're eventually cracking a, a decent defense. Um, and obviously, their own defense is the cornerstone of keeping them in games and the fact that they can kick. And I felt like their decision-making, taking points or going for tries in this game was much, much better. Yeah. Like they didn't really give away moments when they had huge momentum. They, they played through them and, and succeeded, but they also knew when they, you know, maybe got a, a bit of a lucky penalty in their sort of 35 out and they're like, yeah, we'll just take the points here and we'll come back. And, and that just worked. So there was some middle ground from what we've seen from them the first three rounds. Looking at the other game uh, on Saturday night up at Suncorp, and I think we none of us really gave the horse a chance in this game versus the Reds. Obviously, the Reds riding that high after pipping the Brumbies down in Canberra. But, I mean, this game was pretty close, up to 65 minutes. You know, 19 all uh, took that final try from Jock Campbell to get over the line. Hunter Paisami um, showing a bit, of, um, a bit of aggression and getting a double in this. But forced through some kicking and... I have to give props to the guy. I bagged Jake McIntyre out uh, last weekend uh, for his kicking display and at least goal-kicking-wise, he, sh- he showed that he does have some talent there and he can keep his team sort of um, in touch. Yeah, I think Toby called this as the trap game and I said, no, nah, no way, Reds are going to blow them out. Um, I guess it ended up being somewhat of a trap game that the force brought uh, a lot of energy and a gritty defence and the Reds 
had a few errors, uh, played in rain. Like this, this match it was probably more handling errors and um, a bit more um, messy sort of phases than than you'd normally see in good weather. But uh, ultimately, the force kept themselves right in this game, and it, and it took you know a lot of strength from the Reds to to push through and 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 get a win. Um, this, the usual standouts still apply here. Yeah, like you said, Paisami, great. Um, Elof was out there melting opposition props again, just like he just targets his... Um, oh, sorry. Elof? That was in the... <laughs> sorry. You're merging games now. I am merging games now. He was good though. Yeah, he was. Elof's becoming one of my favourites. <laughs> I used to hate him. The other one. There was another one in that game that I thought was really good. Tom Robinson keeps getting... Dane Zander. By... No, it was. Um... I think it's Tom Robinson keeps getting destroyed in his these games now. <laughs> yeah, but the but Elof melted the Waratahs, the actual Waratahs guy, not the ex Waratahs guy. Oh, he's just he's just got a he's just got Harry Johnson Holmes. Yes, yeah, he smashed Harry Johnson Holmes, smashed him. So he's just like yeah, targeting. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. just think Hunter Paisami is is honestly. He's playing so well. I think he's the form player of, of Super Rugby AU. He looks great. Um, I think you can see he's playing with confidence. He is playing above his weight in both attack and defence and, and making perfect decisions for this this Reds team and making um, Patea look a bit, you know, the second rate a bit at 13. I think we'll come to this a bit later with way too early Wallabies, but I think... For me, Hunter has to be a lock at twelve for the Wallabies at this stage. I don't want to. I don't want to um, spoil any anything for the next segment at all. But um, I don't know if it's a lock at twelve. But I agree, Hunter's definitely showing that he he needs to be talked about um, above Patea. Everyone's been talking about Patea's potential for a couple of years now. Hunter has well and truly surpassed what Patea is able to do. On a much more anything he's done, yeah. Um, mm. Vunivalu got his first start in this game. Talk to me. What What do you guys see? For me, I I saw like a quite well rounded game from this guy. Um, he's throwing passes. He's putting grubber kicks. Not for him, just for himself, for his teammates. Is Is he better developed already than Marika Korobiti? No, he might have. Slightly more variation to his game, but I think Marika, what he does is he's at the pinnacle. Um, and the amount of enthusiasm and intent he brings to every single game, I think it's going to take a while for um, Vunivalu to get there. But, you know, I think Vunivalu is a, is a player of the level maybe of someone like Israel Falau. He could reach those peaks. Um, so that's probably the difference. As a He's a bigger athlete. He's just, I don't know... He brings almost, I think, slightly more variation than Corabini. I think that's where he can excel. Yeah, that's that's where I was going to go with that arch. That he he has come in. He looks sharp. All the skills you'd expect him to bring across from league, he has, and he has looked class um, and and appropriate at at this level of um, competition for rugby union. He has more variety, maybe a different range of skills. Like Marika is a is fast, like pure pace um you know really bullocking runs like bumping people off and just difficult to tackle whereas i feel like vinavalu has that extra um 
maybe kicking and, and support game. Um, like Mar- Marika, I think, knows his strengths and, and wouldn't try a whole lot of wild offloads and kicks because he's like, no, no, I'm better off, um, you know, turning around and just veering back to the support a bit and taking the ball to the ground, recycling. Bunavalu's there throwing those extra passes, offloads and and mm-hmm. putting kicks through. And that's great that, that he's, uh, I suppose, probably got the support to do that, that he's doing it uh, reasonably well. He hasn't made many errors. I think he, you know, he had the knock on, and um, he he maybe got a little bit uh, over eager in a, in a ruck here and there. But th- that's the stuff you'd expect him. He's got to get uh, a feel. It's it's not about learning the rules. I'm sure he's got a good grasp of the rules. It's about in the in the moment understanding yeah, what you can and can't do. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to go for the ball now, and and but at this level, like the the tightness. Um, of the margins for you to get things right and wrong is just that much smaller versus the other competitions where he will have come from when he played as a younger player, you know, he probably just dominated all those contests. So now, mm. now he's going to be held to a higher standard and he's got to understand the the constraints and play within those so that he doesn't just become um, a hazard to his team and, and a target for the ref. Mm. The Reds actually got challenged here a little bit up front in the scrums and things. Uh, I think Brad Thorne mentioned it um, at the end of the game that that was the most they'd been challenged really so far. And it was on the back of the force. Brumbies. Yeah, I know, a little bit of a backhanded slap at the Brumbies. I mean, they, they did go to the Brumbies that have a sort of a weakened pack and weakened front row. But still, this is a force team that started multiple 30-year-olds um, Two names, Greg Holmes and Sidalaki Tamani. Well, that's, that's what I was about from. to say, yeah. yeah. They, they start a really big pack. But, I mean, it showed that they, they have the physicality to, to dominate some of these teams and maybe they need to use that more, more as a weapon um, for themselves in the upcoming weeks. And, I mean, no one's going to underrate Thrush's, you know, physical attributes. He, he brings it every week. And now you're bringing Isaac Rodder into that mix as well. So you're going to have mm. three pretty top-class locks, experienced locks, um, rotating through those starting positions. And Ryan McCauley might be the one who misses out. But Greg Holmes is a veteran, 150 games. He's always been known for his scrummaging. Well yeah. I mean, he's been playing for like 15 years. It's pretty incredible. Um, but, yeah, like Tom Robertson is no slouch either. We know that. I mean, he hasn't probably been offering as much around the park as we're used to seeing, but, you know, at set piece he's decent. And, yeah, I was really surprised to see how much the red scrum was being challenged because, obviously, we're used to seeing Taniella just dominate people and it wasn't quite happening this game and the force were getting that ascendancy at scrum time. I think that changed when Payne Ramosa came on. I think Murphy was maybe not as strong a hooker, not as much weight. Um, BPA really stiffened up their scrum and, and that's where the contest changed. Um, and that's been a trend yeah, over which multiple weeks. I think BPA has proven to be this, probably the strongest scrummaging hooker we have. Um, he may not have all the other skills of all the other guys who contend for a Wallabies jersey, but he is very solid at scrum time. His lineouts have improved in the last couple of years where he used to be a bit of a liability. I think that's much more solid. And it's I guess that to me being a bit traditional like those are your core hooker skills that's it's it it's the foundation of your set piece and um 
yeah, that's that's something that's really important. So I, I doubt we'll see BPA off the bench much longer. I think he will get the start, uh, certainly against teams that have a stronger scrum, which is, yeah, probably the Brumbies when they're fully fit. Obviously, the force, we, we see a bit of quality there. Um, maybe the Rebels. That's that they're the teams to, to look out for. The, the Waratahs scrum is still getting reconstructed, I guess. The problem is that he's leaving at the end of the year and going overseas. So whether they're wanting to try and give Marfi a bit more space there. Um, on the fourth side as well, I mean, we said their forward pack is looking a bit stronger. Do you think it would benefit having like an extra sort of playmaking um, person in their back line? Because they are very much big bodies, straight running um, with a lot. Like, I don't think Carney's really quite the step in and take sort of first phase. Um, yeah, take take it, take the load off McIntyre a little bit. Is this the time that maybe you should be looking at getting Domingo Miotti or John Lance to play 12 or something um, to try and just take a bit of that load off and just spread it out to unlock? Because it just, they don't seem to quite be able to put together those sort of um, phase after phase when they're, when they're looking to spread it wide? Possibly. Um, I suppose Jono's played 12, 15, 10. He's pretty versatile. Not sure Miotti's played much 12. I'd probably uh, say McIntyre would have to go into 12 if that was going to be the way to do it. Yeah, and that doesn't feel, that doesn't feel like a, a good move in my mind. Um, I think Jono's... Um, got enough starch to play 12 against some of the guys he'd be contending with. Um, so so maybe, I mean, again, the force have been in these games. They're, they're putting it to the best team in Super Rugby AU. I don't know how much change they need, but I guess if, if they think that's a, a, um, a gap in their game, you could probably do worse than having Jono having a run at 12 and, Maybe Richard Kahui slides to 13. Does TK fall out? I don't know. I, I don't think TK has been special this season. I think when he was you know, expected to measure up against his Brumbies um, peers from last year, he, he came off second best and he, and he hasn't really blown my mind in the new, in the new group. Whereas Kahui has been very versatile, which I think I'd take with Jono. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I think Kahui has been one of the the standouts in that back line. I think the person probably we're missing at the moment is Kyle Godwin and he offers a bit more ball playing at 12. Yeah. Um, I see what they're doing with Taifu, um, you know, this week trying to do a similar thing to what Paisami brings, but I just don't think he's the caliber of player. Um, and Carney, although he's a general at the back, I, yeah, he's not quite that creative force that you probably need to be like assisting McIntyre. Um, and that's why I probably I'd like to see almost Miotti get a start to see what he can bring, you know, for eighty minutes or seventy minutes mm. um, in combination with Cabelli because they do have that combination formed as well previously. Um, but yeah, Kahui is um, he's you can see how flexible he is. I mean, he can play wing, he can play inside, he can play outside. So he's got to be there somewhere. But interested to see when I don't know what the timeline is for Godwin, but. I'm sure at some point I'll probably get a start there. And TK, in my mind, I think it's just reinforcing the decision that the Brumbies have made to to let him go because he's been pretty pretty anonymous in a lot of these games, which has been disappointing. Does that mean we're probably not going to see him in your way too early Wallabies picks? No, I think, unfortunately, I don't know if he's 
come to a point where he's less interested in in probably pursuing those honors as well, or he's just not quite at that standard anymore. I think you know his prime could have been. You could argue his prime was seven or eight years ago. Yeah, fair. And I think he's been trotting along, doing a lot of good work for the Brumbies, obviously, for a decade. But we're probably seeing now, with the quality of these other centres, it's very hard for him to compete. All right. Way too early Wallabies picks. And I think there's five positions that I'm most interested to see what you guys are thinking. And those are um, what you're doing at hooker, what you're doing in probably that second lock position, who the number six is. And it continues to be a question for multiple years now, who is the best number six um, for the Wallabies. The centres make up, I think, is going to be an interesting. And, and I think there's one wing spot with Tom Wright's injury that's still very much up for grabs at this stage. So I want to see what you guys are going to do with that as well. Who wants to kick us off? I'm happy to kick us off. Um... So you, why don't you yeah. run through your whole team, but we'll, we'll drill down a little bit on those, on those okay. positions. So my team, I've tried to pick as much as possible guys who were, who were fit and ready to go. I've, I've had to bend that rule a little bit, um, but these are, the guys that I picked aren't out long, long term. So I think, I think it's fair to consider them for when we'd actually have a Wallaby side out on the park. Uh, so from 1 to 15, I'm going with the front row of James Slipper, Panga Amosa at hooker and Taniella at uh, tighthead. Hosea and Caden Neville in the locks. Valentini, McWright and Harry Wilson in the back row. Nick White and Jock in the halves. I've got Marika and Jordan Patea on the on the wings. Paisami and Ikitao are my centre pairing. Jeez. And I've got Banks at fullback. So I guess... The key things here, like BPA, I've already mentioned, I think his his core as a hooker is what sets him apart for me when it comes to internationals. Uh, Falau Fainga is an absolute gun on the field, obviously within the Brumby system. He's a weapon. He knows that system really well. But I don't see a whole lot of other Brumbies around him in my starting lineup. And I think what you really want is to get dominance against your opposition scrum and have a really solid line out at the beginning of your game. So that's why BPA gets the, gets the wood over Fainga for me. Um, I, don't, I hope no one will argue too hard. I, I think Trevor Hosea and Caden Neville have stood up massively for their team. So I think they deserve the second row spots. Um, guys like Lucan have been there before. He's coming back from a suspension. Um, Angus Blythe will always push because I think he's deserving. But these two guys have just stood out massively to me so far this season. So I think they're the two. Do you think Jose has really stood out that much this season? This last game, I think he stood up quite a bit and he made that run through the middle. I don't think he's been huge. I think he's been consistent. Um, I think he's got a long way to go, but definitely potential. Um, But with Rodder back in the mix, I think that might hurt him. And see, I didn't consider Rodder just because we haven't actually seen him play, but obviously... I'm no doubt Dave Rennie is having a very close look at at him when he gets back on the field. Uh, six, obviously Valentini, I think has taken that next step this season. He wasn't there for me last year. He was inconsistent. Uh, he he didn't seem to have the gas all the way through sixty minutes. And he and for a guy his size, he just didn't seem to have that aggression in the contact that I wanted to see. 
So I see that now. And he's a first pick with a small gap for me. Um, Swinton and Lee Warner are the other two who I've sort of thought about. But again, their, their teams aren't really lifting them and, and they haven't stood out um, in my mind. Oh. Lee Warner hasn't stood Lee out. Warner I thought Swinton's been disappointing. I think Lee Warner's Warner. been excellent again. Yeah, but equally because of ill discipline. So he's not he's not controlling his game well enough. He's he's a raw energy guy, a bit like Tizano. I want him in the squad because I think he's the guy you can't just give the the go to straight up. I think you'll get more out of him by forcing him to compete hard um, and develop a bit more. He needs to learn where to use his aggression more. He's, he's been a bit uh, he's he's been a big penalty magnet for the force. Unfortunately, um, he needs to get I on think- something. He needs to keep his tackles down. Yeah, I mean, that that could be the case. I don't think he's as bad in that area as Swinton, but I think his work rate is just so incredible around the field that I had to – I've got him in my 23. I, I can't start him over someone like Valentini, but I think he's someone who was super unlucky last year. He's almost backing up with as good a season this year um, in a better team. So it's harder to stand out this year, obviously, but I think he's been really good again. And my centre pairing, Paisami, we've already talked to it. We've talked about him every week. He's a sponge. He's just getting better. He sees someone else do something and it's like a superpower. He just goes, yep, okay, I'm going to learn how to do that. And he's got that skill next time he needs it. Um, Paired with Ikitao, who's been really like just, again, maybe it stands out mostly to me because um, last year I I feel like I hadn't seen any of him. And then this year he's out there in the Brumbies and he's breaking the line, he's offloading, he's kicking and he's, He's everywhere. Um, if those two play their best, like that is a, like to me is a really dynamic pairing. And I think Ikatao being that slightly um, more rangy line breaky player, maybe by a small margin actually takes the pressure off Paisami to push as hard to be the same player. Let's him maybe sit back and play a little bit more of his playmaker skills. They don't have to both be the same player. They don't both have to be the line-breaking freak. Um, they can change it up and, and maybe Paisami is the guy who can settle in and do a little bit more of other things and then, you know, surprise people in the um, 35th minute when he just suddenly punches through the line and everyone's been seeing him just more setting up other people so far. Would you be willing, like, obviously the first game is going to be the All Blacks would you be willing to put those two as an untested pairing up against the All Blacks? Ikitao on yeah. debut, Hunter playing. I think I would because my alternative is Patea, who I've pushed to the wing. And it's really, for me, it's it's getting to be like a last chance, you know, need to need to find that form that we've seen in... in not three... not Tamura at 12? No. Not their preferred starting team have... from last year, Tamura and Hunter? Can't do it. I, I just can't put Tamura at 12. He's a 10 or he's nothing to me, or he's a, he's a bench guy who comes well, this on. This is a different take because we used to say that he was a 12, if anything. Yeah, but I I don't want to see him at 12. I think he, I, I don't want to, I, I don't think he adds, like we talk about his starch in defense. He's a great defender and that's why he can play a bit of 12. He's not just a playmaker, right? Hunter is better at that than him. I would rather have Hunter defending at 12 than Tamura. And then, what kind of attack does he bring? Well, he doesn't punch through the line. He does do those free kicks on the weekend. weekend. No, that was that was scrambling <laughs> and, and just a bit of vision and genius, which is great. 
but you don't see that every week. Hunter every week is now putting in kicks. He's breaking the line. He's offloading. He's, you know, throwing these great flat balls. Oh, I 100% agree. He needs to be there. Yeah, so I, I I just don't even I don't see Tamu if if Tamu is playing ten at the Rebels again I've tried to pick people where they're playing now I, I was you know sneaky I put Patera on the wing he started on the wing this season but um, that's probably the only excuse I've got like everyone I've picked is playing in their position that they start on the weekend and that's how it should be um, in my mind so yes I would absolutely if if the vein of form continues for these two players then the only thing we need after that is a is a combination. Um, I, I don't see starting a Simone Katao. I don't really want to put Paisami Patea out there because I think Patea is a bit dysfunctional, but I'm happy to push him to the wing and give him a chance. I have to say I agree with everything Leo said in terms of those that centre pairing. I think Hunter's raised his game almost to where Simone, I thought, was the, the next man in line for actually taking the mantle at 12. But Hunter's now more creative. He's, he's almost His range of skills has expanded to where he's performing at the same level, if not, I think, well, if better, he's performing better than Simone doing the same thing. And I think I'm willing to risk Ikitao. I think he looks that composed, that mature in that position. And Leo's right. He, he offers that punch through the line, that kind of depth for work with a bit more range, with the offload, also with the grubber game. Um I think the only issue would be maybe their cohesion because they haven't spent time together there, but they were in the Wallabies last last year. So they are familiar with each other in some capacity. And I think Ikitao is that good. I think he actually can make the jump to international level relatively quickly. Um, So, yeah, I think Hunter's a better 12 than he is at 13. And I think the clear choice at 13 is Ikitao. So, yeah. That, that would be my thinking as well. I agree with what Leo said. Leo, you've gone, um, as you said, um, Marika and Patea on the wing and Banks are fullback. Is that right? That's right. And again, uh, picking people in the position that they're playing, uh, there's some other candidates who you could put at fullback if you weren't selecting them somewhere else or if, if you were desperate to wedge them in. I see Hodge in that kind of vein. He's been playing 12, so I haven't tried to force him into 15, although I think his better position is probably 15. He's sort of my backup. He's becomes like a bench player in your 23 or a, a guy in your squad who can, who can take up that spot if he needs to. But in our five, our five super OBAU teams, you have Rob Carney in eligible, ineligible Pincus. I think last week he nope. finally showed some sense of being a football player. Um, <laughs> you are not picking Nwong and or Maddox. And Jock Campbell hasn't quite um, sort of evolved as, as quickly as I, I guess I was hoping. I don't know. I think he's been impressive. I don't. I think you probably had lofty, overly ambitious, you know, expectations of him. Well, he's not Will Jordan. To Will Jordan. Maybe Jordan Light. <laughs> but, but even then, he's like, been good. He's probably been the second best, if not the best, fullback in the competition. And the other guy who has been good is Banks. And with the combination with Nick White, I think that's valuable. And again, you can't have too many guys starting. As Archie said, you're playing playing the All Blacks early on. Um, you've got to have a bit of ability. And Banks is that guy for the moment. I'd, unless something changes in the second half of Super OBAU, we see something in the Trans Tasman um, at the moment. Like that's that's the option for me without really thinking of 
I can't I can't fit anyone else in contention. I don't understand though how you can pick Batea over someone like Vunavalu, even based on the limited you know match time he's had. Yeah, look, it's it's a bit of faith in the squad. Yeah, sure, but a bit of faith starting when he's good, he's amazing. Vunavalu, we've seen like one and a bit games. Like I haven't seen any of him in league. I understand he's a freak, um, but again, like the, the more guys in the squad. You need some. You need as much continuity as possible. In my first game, this is my lineup. It's I'm not introducing anyone new uh, except Ikitao and I suppose Jose. I'm not sure about Neville. Has Neville Neville would have a cap for the Wallabies, wouldn't he? No, he doesn't. No? Oh, there you go. So I've got a I've got a very raw he's very lineup. experienced. Yeah. So knowing that, maybe maybe Lucan deserves to start in there maybe maybe it'll be out of our hands and Rodder will just slide back in who knows um but yeah that that's that so that's my squad um there's lots of guys who I think are on the periphery um I didn't really talk about McWright I, I did just assume that Michael Hooper wasn't going to be considered because he was in Japan no, he's back he'll be back he'll be, be back. back yeah, yeah. I, I just I just kind of ruled him out because of that I guess um that's and also Gunu not considered Tom Wright not considered um, but those, those guys are all obviously. Why Dalg? Why Dalgunu not considered? He's only missed one game. Uh, again, because I was trying to pick people who are fit now, and yeah. you know, realistically, if if I guess if I use the same reasoning for Slipper, I probably should have put him in over Patea. Patea would miss out for me. He's, I would he's, agree with that. Yeah, mm. but I would also probably have Tom Wright over Dalgunu if fit. So go on to my team, Arch. Yeah, Toby. Where does yours differ? Um, well, I'll just run through it quickly. It, I, it differs in a few key positions, but you know, a lot of what Leo said, as I said, I agree with. Um, in terms of experience, I'd be starting Slipper at loose head. I think CO hasn't done enough to be displacing him in the Brummies nor the Wallabies. Like, I just don't think he's been good enough. Flau Fyinger, I still think he's the best hooker in Australia when fit, um, and he has that try-scoring ability, which I really like. Daniela has to start at tight end. I think he's evolved yeah. his game far enough where he's an 80-minute player. Um, and I think, again, he's been playing outplaying Alilatoa um, this season. Lucan Salakailoto in the second row with Neville. Um, that's still Those two positions are still a little bit up in the air for me. I could see Rodder coming in. I could see a few guys, even Angus Blythe, I think, has a chance. But I think the second row is pretty open. Um, back row of Rob, Rob Valentini, Michael Hooper, and Harry Wilson. Again, with Nicerani out of the picture this season so far, I think Harry Wilson's pretty much, apart from Pete Samu, I think Harry Wilson probably has yeah, the edge sure. over him just, yeah. just as a classic number eight. I think Samu is a victim of being a bit of a hybrid in that back row, and so I think Wilson gets the number eight position. Then the back line would be Nick White, James O'Connor, Eureka on the blind side wing, Paisami and Nikitao in the centres, Vinavalu, I think, is going to be that sort of Israel Folau type player. So I think he's good enough to pick straight away on the other wing. And then Tom Banks at the back, I like what he offers in combination with Nick White. I think he's still growing his game. And although we, we do want to see a lot from Tom Banks, I think he needs consistent time in that Wallabies 15 jersey to develop. So I'm willing to offer him that. That's fair enough. And that's very close to um, my 15 as well. I did sort of put BPA above it, but I acknowledge if he's going overseas, um, 
whether he will still get that starting hooker role, whether they will go to Falau just for a little bit more consistency. I think Lucan and Neville are probably your most experienced sort of guys at lock at this stage. I did put Lee Warner in just because... I wish he could start at second row. I think he'd be in there. It's a shame that Cade and Neville's 32 as well. That's, that's a bit of a, a shame for him considering yeah. he's developed so late, but there you are. I, I, I just think that Fergus Lee Warner deserves a shot. I think that Valentini's had a couple of chances and he's played all right, but he hasn't impressed. Obviously, they're still trying to search for that six. We've seen Rennie likes that really sort of hyper-aggressive Swinton type. Um, I think he might he could go for a Fergus Lee Warner. I, I think he's better. I think Lee Warner is a far better Swinton. player than Lachlan Swinton. And he's shown that now over two seasons. I, I really want to see him given a shot. The other person that I think absolutely should be named in the squad is probably Anstey as well, because I think he could develop into a really exciting player, um, even just off the back of the couple of games that we've seen from him. Um, I think Hooper coming back from a season where he's not the main focus of his team, where he's not having to start and play 80 minutes in every game, you might see an explosive um, return to international rugby from Michael Hooper this year. We've seen him every year playing 80 minutes, absolutely putting his body on the line for his team every week, getting beaten and battered, never taking a minute off. And then he suddenly now we're getting a Hooper time that he's not starting every week for Toyota Verblitz. He's coming off the bench. He's having sort of a much less physical game, let's be honest. Um, I think he's going to come back to the wall if he's really refreshed and renewed. Um, if he opts to come back at all, if he decides that he's not going to do that, I think absolutely Fraser McWright deserves his shot at getting into there as well. Um, and the only other place where I've differed from you guys, I have put Tamara in at 12. And it's partly because I think that's what's going to happen. It's my early prediction of what the team's actually going to look like. Um, I think they're going to still want... Tamoa on the field because they trust him and he's obviously got the favour of the coaches and I think the favour of other players as well, which means I think they slide Paisami out to 13 which isn't ideal, I agree, he's better at 12, but I think he's still better at 13 than anyone else we have, including Ikitao. I mean, if you look at experience, obviously Nick White James O'Connor, Matt Tamoa these are kind of the almost the last guard of these experienced guys in, in the back line the, yeah. that is still around. And yeah, they're all playing pretty well. I wouldn't dispute that. It's whether you want to push forward to the next generation and really start forming those combinations well before 2023. Um, I think Rennie, he does, he both takes a long-term outlook on the team as well as, you know, being mindful that you can't change everyone. You do need the experience in there to even be competitive with a team like the All Blacks because that's what they tend to do as well. Obviously, the All Blacks, they know how to bring in youth, mm. but they retain that experience and then they they move things on at the right time. So it's all kind of well planned out. Um, so, yeah, I can see it happening. I, I'm disappointed if they don't just go for Paisami and Ikatao or if they want to persevere with Patea fine form that combination, I, keep I it just, going. Yeah, I think it just might be, it might be the spring tour that we see that actually coming to fruition a bit more 
And I think they may still try and do these sort of initial Blooders Low Cup games as maybe um, a bit more giving those more experienced guys the, the first crack. The other quick number of names I just want to get your temperature on um, before we look at, go across the ditch to New Zealand is a few of these names that have been in the Wallabies set up and whether you think they're still... Um, will be named when we get a first squad. So starting off, we have a couple of props. Harry Johnson, Holmes, Tom Robinson. No, no. Neither? Neither. neither. I think okay. yeah, Angus Bells are going to get a chance. Probably um, our mate down at the Rebels. Who's... The Rebels boys might... I mean, Elof, no. No, not so much Elof. He's been better than all of them. Felmasili. Oh. <laughs> Felmasili, yeah. Yeah. Yep. What about um, Jack Dempsey, Lachlan Swinton, um, Liam Wright? Swinton, definitely. Um, really? I'm saying... No, I think he does. Yep. Yep. He's one of the only things that the Waratahs that's actually doing any I think work. he's been pretty poor. Oh, I don't think he's had anyone working with him, particularly like him and Tizano. Uh, I, I, think, I think there's a good chance Tizano gets like a ball to spot just for pure effort. And I think Swinton's still in there. Yeah. But See, I would say Dempsey, Dempsey no. I'd say Dempsey no, because he's going overseas. So yeah. it doesn't and have that commitment. And he, he hasn't been great. Swinton, I think just brings a lot of brashness and not a whole lot of smarts and, and intricacies to his game. So I think that's an issue for him. Um, I, How did you get me from last year on this pod, Arch? <laughs> this is I think that was my argument last year. Now I'm defending Swinton. Yeah, I don't know. Last year on. he brought more he more he brought a lot more potency last year. I think he's lost that. And it's not just the fact that the Waratahs aren't playing well. I'm just not seeing as much from him. Um he's probably exhausted. I noticed him much more last Picking year. And I think slack. Tizano, interesting. I think it's almost a similar thing. Fraser McWright is just such a far superior rugby player to Carlo Tizano, but Tizano has so much energy and enthusiasm and aggressiveness that I think maybe that will get him there eventually when he tightens up other elements of his game, but there's no just energizer bunny that's tackling everything. He doesn't offer a whole lot more than that. But but see, if you've got Hooper, and obviously you're going to have Fraser McWright, there yeah, really aren't pretty much all you need. Liam Wright is the third seven in line now and, and when fit. It's very hard to see what will happen because he's been out for so long. And last year he didn't do a lot at the Wallabies level. And well, he, he didn't got get many opportunities off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Valentini stepped up. I think Pete Samu maybe gets another look. I think the back row gets pretty busy again. And I think Swinton probably still has a role in there as well. Yeah. So I think the casualties are Jack Dempsey. I think um Certainly, um, Liam Wright is is under threat. Um, mm. I think Tazana is the guy who maybe he does develop longer term, and if you keep him in and around the squad for from the early stages, maybe never expecting to start or even off the bench, right? Unless you're playing Fiji, but just like channel that drive. Don't don't slam the door in his face too many times too early because he might turn into something great, but I think you give him the long road because I think that's the road he likes. He loves yeah, to no, flog think... himself and go really hard and, you know, be underappreciated for a bit, but get better on his journey to, you know, when he gets his chance. I think that's where he probably 
Um, yeah, same as Fergus Lee Warner. Right. I feel like he's probably got a road like that to travel. He's, he's I don't know. Done I think, a road like that already, though. I, feel I think like. Fergus Lee Warner is way down that road. I think Tizano yeah, is yeah. is almost being thrust into this situation a little too early. I think he has a lot of potential, but he's nowhere near ready. That would mm. be my take on it. But again, um, Liam Wright depends on his recovery. I think he probably deserves to be in the wider squad. When they cut it down, I'm not so sure. Some of the backs now. Um, so Jack Maddox, James Rann, Will Harrison, a bunch of Waratahs there that were all in the wider squad last year. And the other one's probably from the Brumbies, Ire Simone. Does he still have the place in this squad? Simone does. He deserves to be there. He's played well. Um, and we need to. He's a specialist 12. And I think, you know, Rennie does appreciate those specialist position guys. Um, and he's, he's played well for a number of seasons now. I, I think he'll definitely be in that. We'll definitely be in the pony squad. I think he'll still remain there when they cut it down to a, a smaller squad. Um, I don't that think I had, I didn't have a single Waratah in my, my 23, match day 23 that I typed out. And I'm not sure who gets into the Wallaby squad apart from Jake Gordon. I don't know if any of them do. I don't know if they deserve to. Yeah, like James Ram has been Angus given... Bell, sorry. Angus Bell and Jake Gordon would be my two. Yeah. So James Ram has had not... Uh, like, you can go looking for work as a winger, but you can't go looking for as much work as you need to, to the, get the opportunities for the Wallaby squad um, in that team. And Ram will be stunted in opportunities from playing for the Waratahs, I think. I think in a better team, he gets more opportunities and he looks great. But um, I don't think he gets a chance this year. And I, I don't think Maddox is worth bringing in at all. I'm, I'm over on Maddox. I'm- Maddox has made far too many errors. I think Rams are, it's really unfortunate. He's a product of his environment. Like you're That's saying, what I mean. if you put him down at the Brumbies, he'd I think be awesome. he'd probably, you know, he'd be like a Muirhead, maybe slightly better. Yeah. But he's in the wrong situation, which... He needs to Again, get you can see why probably. people aren't signing with this team, with the Waratahs. You can see why Rod has chosen the force over the Waratahs because the same money is being offered and you choose the better setup. Yeah. And now the Rebels are looking like a better setup. Obviously, the force, the Reds, of course, the Brumbies always have been, you know, that really strong academy and bringing players through. Waratahs need to get their act together. Yeah. It's a I, real shame. I agree. Ram, Ram will miss out not because he's not a good player, not because he doesn't have potential, but because he's not getting the opportunities and he's not developing as he should. Maddox is cooked. I just, I have no interest. I I can't watch him go through another game on a wing or a fullback, just turn styling as a, as a defender. Like he really hasn't been good in defense at all. And um, I just don't know what he's bringing to any team. So he needs a change of scenery as well. Yeah. He needs it. He needs probably, he needs to maybe go to Japan or go to Europe and just, um, you know, ch- change the scenery and just, just find some passion and find some, um, find it, find a group that he can really combine with and, and, you know, rebirth. I, I just don't think the Waratah is going to do it for him. And, and again, that's not a knock on him as a person. I just, I think he's probably come in there and he's been expected to be a bit of a marquee player. And the Waratahs have been spiraling downward and he's just been dragged under with them. And he's he's a confidence player and he hasn't got any confidence from the Waratahs setup. Um, who else did you say? I have to 
in the in that group. I uh, had Ram and Simone. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Simone, Simone, I think is right on the cutoff point because if the, you can consider Tamu as a twelve, if you consider that obviously Hunter can be twelve and Hodge now maybe has been playing twelve season and he can cover twelve, even James O'Connor in a pinch. If you had to switch things all around, like I worry that Simone is almost too specialized and not high profile enough. Um, so I, I think he, I would like to see him in. I want him in, but I can see him not making the cut because they'll say we have all these other guys we want in and we can cover 12 and that's, we'll just cover it with those guys. And you said, Will Harrison Arch, um, unfortunately he's the fourth 10 getting around at the moment. And that's a product of being in the Waratahs outfit too. So I'd have Noah and I'd have Tamua and I'd have Jock over Will Harrison at the moment. Is there anyone else you guys would put in from the force at the moment? I've talked about Fergus Lee Warner and Tim Anstey. Tim Anstey's great, but again, might be a bit premature. Um, I, he's still I, got... Purely as a development player, I think. But Yeah, you could bring him along as a development player. I can see that. Um, Byron Ralston's probably gone off the boil a bit. Not not as excited about him this year. Hasn't shown as much. And, and, the, and the force have been pretty good in a lot of games so you know the opportunities probably have been there for him where someone like Ram has missed out um, Rodder will be in the, the squad he what about Tamani I don't think Tamani he's 35 yeah, I think I probably misses out but, it's unfortunate you know, he's stayed in France for seven years or whatever it was yeah. and he's missed, missed him. the prime of his career but he you could, can see he's he still got it could be someone they pull in if they get a couple of injuries as a uh, Possibly. Perhaps. I'd like to see how he goes over a number of weeks because I think yeah. he does need, he probably needs that game time at the top level. I think playing in France is one thing, playing super rugby and internationally is another. Um, Greg Holmes is another name I wouldn't rule out, I think, as a veteran prop. Um, I think he can play both sides of the scrum. And someone like James Slipper, I think he, he probably isn't a guy that you want to be relying on for 80 minutes a game, but for the last 20... I think against an All Blacks or something, he he's still a viable option. He could do worse. Yeah, I think they'll probably look to develop guys because they've got three years to a World Cup, and and you know maybe the yeah the young Again, Reds I think and Waratahs too, and yeah those guys probably get a chance. Um, yeah. And the only other one, aside from the fact we um we have a, you know seem to be blessed with a whole lot of good halfbacks now, like Joe Powell should be in this conversation. I know you guys are particularly Toby's high on Jake Gordon. I think Joe Powell's doing a really good job as a scrum half. I just need more from him outside the fundamentals. Like he's doing all the the quick ball and the accurate passing and the support and, and running the running the team up and down the field. I think he's doing really well for the Rebels. Um, I haven't seen him fall apart in but, defense, but, I, but I, he needs a bit more to, to yeah. get himself in the conversation as the top two or top three. Uh, My argument Jake would Gordon. be... McDermott. He's done this. He's done this oh. for the Brumbies for multiple years and, and never really and he's always got been right the on the attention cusp. that he deserved, maybe. And I don't think he's I think he's doing a similar thing for the Rebels. I don't know if he's any better. I'm noticing um, him more. I'm noticing him more this year. And you know, he's behind Will Genia and Nick White previously. And then you had other people coming in and out. You had um Jake Gordon and then you also had um Tate. Bloody but you'd rather um, have Tate there off the ex- bench, right? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, They're the clear two, Nick White and Tate McDermott. Who's the old Waratahs scrum half? Oh, Nick, Nick Phipps. Nick Phipps. Oh, you had Phipps in there getting opportunities ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Powell. You know, I, I would never like that. So 
unfortunately, but the the halfback um, group is strong, and then this this young guy for the Waratahs even is playing really I like well. Lonigan, Lonigan's playing Lonigan really well, like you know, and that's why Ian Pryor doesn't even get a mention because he's been all right, and you know, there's a decent Aussie scrum half is far far and away down the list. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's leave it there, boys. I know we could keep talking about this for hours. Let's let's quickly run through what happened um, in Super Rugby Aotearoa. We had the Hurricanes get up early against the Chiefs, but then blew a 19-point lead. Chiefs coming back late to snap their losing streak. First win since 2019 for them. Um, I think correctly tipped by all three of us in the end after we saw that Hurricanes lineup. Auburn Ledger was got the name at 10 there. Uh, a centre that ha- can ply his trade at 10 every now and then. I, and I think it showed. I think Which Martin, he did for the Chiefs before. Yeah, which he has done enough. for the Chiefs. Um, pretty much getting it over Caleb Trask, I think, a few times down at the Chiefs, who who was starting this week in um, favour over Bryn Gatlin. I think we saw, like, with the Hurricanes, we saw a bit of the flashes early. I think we saw Lamarpi got a bit of a... Um, space or a license to do a little bit more. We saw him throwing a couple, setting up uh, two early tries. Um, Ryassi, the young winger who got his first start for the Hurricanes, I think he could um, blow up in these next few weeks. I think you could see him ending up being sort of this year's sort of Caleb Clark because he's just such a big, agile human who's really good in the air. So I reckon you might see his name just popping up quite a few times in the next few weeks. Um, but then sort of it switched around and it was a tale of Tia's revenge coming back to um, Wellington and he com- looks like he's combining really well with Damian McKenzie um, to get his own try and then set up um, a try for Brad Weber as well uh, which really helped in the Chiefs yeah, even despite a long range penalty by Geordie um, from about 55 on the sideline um, the Chiefs still managed to put it together to get the win yeah, really good to have them break that streak. They're, they're a better team than that streak implies. Um, and, yeah, it took took some grit and a lot of mental strength to stay in this game and, and keep fighting back. Um, the I can't, you know, I can't believe we weren't swayed to tip the Hurricanes by the Auburn Leisure revenge game. Uh, <laughs> fan fiction. Narrative. So, yeah. The yeah, the hurricanes early on looked more like the attacking hurricanes, threats all over the field, just bombing in from all over the place. And then the Chiefs just fought hard and found a way. And yes, we're we're definitely reinvigorated with Tia Tia on the field. So um not unhappy with that result. I think the, the Chiefs you know, there's only only up from here and um the Hurricanes, yeah, really need to sort out their their woes at ten. I think giving everyone or giving guys like Lamarpi a bit more of a license each week. Um, you know, it almost came off this week. I, I don't see it coming off against their opposition in coming rounds. I, I am definitely impressed with the Chiefs forwards, I think, are starting to gel a little bit more. People like Luke Jacobson is seeming to be standing up a lot for them. Um, and the young Akoi, uh, the um, second rower for them that sort of got came out of nowhere with a bit of an all-black squad pick last year. Um, also very strong. Takiyaho. That was the next name I was going to say. <laughs> Samson Takiyaho has definitely been huge and really got the go forward for their team. So, yeah, absolutely. 
the other game on the weekend was Sunday afternoon at Eden Park and Crusaders and Blues and look, I tipped the Blues. Look, I, I made a mistake. They did make it close <laughs> though. They did make it close, but that's seven straight for the Crusaders um, at Eden Park. Blues tried to find some magic and they showed how far they have come, but it just seems impossible to be able to catch up with the Crusaders. You need absolutely like every 50-50 decision to go your way in a whole game um, for it, but Crusaders 43 to 27. And when we talk about, you know, making every opportunity count and, and, you know, all those extra efforts adding up to enough points to beat a team like the Crusaders, there were two key moments involving the same player that stood out a lot to me. And if you're watching the game, you would have heard the commentators bring this Kurt up. Eklund. No, not Kurt Eklund. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. He was quality. Yeah, yeah that was good. No, no, but no. He, sorry, just before you go on, he scored two tries. But then after his second try, threw Semi Reese over his head yeah, and got penalised and, and then got stepped by Moana when he scored. So yeah. I was like, you just went from here. To sorry, go yeah, on, Leo. Could have done better. Um, no, so Rico Ioani. So there was two situations where they were about four on two. Rico's line got the ball um, running fairly straight, maybe drifting out a little bit. And he's engaged his defender. There's basically one on three outside him. And both times he made the wrong decision. The first time he threw an intercept. And it, I mean, it was, in both situations, it was clear the move was to grubber through. You've got three guys running past one guy who's coming forward or static and any outside center of the quality of Rico or, you know, in the, in the Crusaders, in the Reds, in the Brumbies, in most teams, I would have thought would choose that play because the, the way the defender had committed that the pass was the worst option was the slow loop or an intercept. If it wasn't a kick and he, and he muffed it. So to me, that, that's still something we get with Rico. He's come a long way in the last few seasons. He's definitely a huge attacking threat. But, uh, and I think he has that type of skill in his game. He just didn't use it. So I don't know why. I think it's probably, you know, maybe feeling like it's too risky. But in those games, you've got to take those chances and back your teammates to, to follow it up and score the try. And there were two gifts there really the way the blues had set the crusaders up and stretched them so that was a bit disappointing because those were early in the game they're in the first half and it really should have kept the blues in or ahead of the crusaders and that's the way you beat them aside from the obvious by scoring more points you you've got to get ahead of them and start to get them questioning whether they can keep up and just shake them up a bit um missed opportunity for me but I also go down, Arch. I, I also tipped the Blues optimistically. And, uh, oh, I convinced you. Lost lost my fake monies this week. That's right. I think you topped the round in the Major League Rugby tipping. Um, don't worry. Like, <laughs> yeah, I got one. <laughs> what am I doing? I think I topped with two and a bunch of uh, margins and bonuses. So <laughs> well, we'll, quickly, we'll quickly look at that. I think I picked the guillotinis. I think we all picked the guillotinis, and that's that was yeah. most of us. Um Looking quickly at next week in the Super Rugby, though, um, the Highlanders, Hurricanes and Chiefs, Blues. That's on Friday night is Highlanders, Hurricanes, down at Forsyth Bar, and then Saturday night at the Waikato, uh, Chiefs hosting the Blues. Boys, what are your thoughts? Oh, 
I mean, they're two really interesting games based on what's just happened. So yeah. the Hurricanes have lost. They've scored some points, but they've been run down in the end. And now they've got to go to the Highlanders, who are the other team trying to stay off the bottom of the table. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think the Hurricanes figure everything out this week. And I think the the Highlanders can be more settled. And I, I, I actually, I'm going to go Highlanders um, without too much hesitation there in that one. Um, bad news for the Hurricanes. And then the Chiefs. Uh, to to come off a, a gritty win and try and turn their fortunes around. They're now coming up against the Blues who got a bit um, deconstructed by the Crusaders. They need to turn their fortunes around to stay up where they need to be on the table. Great contest. Like, I think the Blues, but it's an away game for them. Um, yeah, there's heaps of narrative in that. that. That'll be really interesting. It is definitely, I mean, the Hurricanes have some big names in their team, but I think as a unit, the Highlanders under Tony Brown, I like them at home. I still think it's going to be yeah. a very competitive game. Take the Highlanders by five. Yeah, I, I mean, this, this is exactly the sort of game that the Hurricanes end up going and winning. Um, they'll, they, they do win away from home, surprisingly often. They, they got that win last year against the Crusaders in um, Christchurch as well. Um, I'd, I'd tip the Highlanders, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being a close one and we see some Geordie Barrett um, long-range con- uh, penalties that put them in front really late on and we, we need some Highlanders magic. Um, and again, I, I totally agree with you, Leah. Like the Chiefs-Blues game is going to be another close one as well. I think the Chiefs are finding a bit of stuff to gel. Um, the problem is what I see as the Blues forward pack is still too strong. They, every every time I look at them and then I look at who they're bringing off the bench in terms of their quality of props, people like Tom Robinson coming off the bench just seems to add so much fire as well. And that's not just from his hair, um, but he just <laughs> seems to give them a lot of go for it. So, that yeah, pass I, was insane. I don't that know pass, how he got that, that pass was... out to Satutu oh. for his try late in that game. Was, Unbelievable. Yeah. Toad, what do you think? Chiefs? Blues? Uh, no, Blues. Clearly Blues, blues I think. Um, different tier. Um, yeah. I think the Blues will bounce back from... It's disappointing against the Crusades. They probably thought they were going to match it with them and couldn't so quite do I. it. So, but I think... So did I. Yeah, I think a lot of people did, but the Crusades are a different animal. Um, yeah. Chiefs, good on them. They got a win, but they're going to they're gonna probably feel the wrath of the Blues this week, I think. Yeah. Um, let's go to Super Rugby AU and Brumbies Western Force. And so back at GIO Stadium again, the Brumbies. Um, this this must be the last before they go on a bit of a, a run away, right? They don't have another home game, I don't That's think, right. after this, until the grand final, right? Particularly after they had to swap, um, was it the Rebels game out of Melbourne up That's to right. Canberra. So they do have a run of three away uh, against... One one easy beat and, and two tricky opponents. So uh, I think they win comfortably in this one. Um, the force have shown that they can make any game a contest, but this is the Brumbies at home. And uh, I don't think after a bye week, the Brumbies will do much more than just dismantle the force. The the forward pack will be charging. They'll be, they'll be mauling over for tries. Flower Finger is probably going to get another two. Um, and yeah, bring on more Ikitao. I want to see him running hard and breaking the line and, and showing showing Dave Rennie that he's a better choice at 13 than Hunter 
And if you want Hunter, you have to put him at 12. And we all know what that means. I think um, this this where the Brumbies make the force look old. And I think they'll be pretty determined after a disappointing loss to the Reds two weeks ago, obviously. I Mm. think they'll be out for redemption here. Um, At home, Fortress GI will be back. Uh, the the force I said it like they lost to the the rebels at home and now they've gone on this tough tour and you know looking at their future schedule it might be they only get one more win this whole year um, or at least in the AU competition which is disappointing because I think they're a decent team but again I think the Brumbies just different level to what the force are and um, yeah I think they'll bounce back here and get a very strong win I don't see it as strong as you two I think. That's what we thought last week versus the Reds, and we just saw the fight and the passion that the Force have. Um, I'll be tipping the Brumbies, but only about five to seven points, I think, um, depending on what these lineups look like. Do we know if Rodder is on some sort of delay to join in with the with the Force? Because he's the wild card that you bring him in, and suddenly you've just got that little bit more oomph in the that forward pack. That will be pack an interesting and, thing. I'm not yeah. sure there is any delay. It, they did announce it. Um, they didn't give us a fly-in date for when he was there and when he was out of any sort of quarantine. But um, I don't think I've seen with, any media with him in a jersey at, at the training paddock, you know, mm. having a run with, with the team. So but I figure he's still he a little bit away. announced and he was suddenly there very quickly and he was on the bench the next game. So yeah, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if he's maybe not there for this game um but maybe does join them after their bye maybe next home game well next home game is the last game of the season for them uh what about the waratahs and the reds stadium australia is what Terrible. i have down here it's correct is yeah. that correct yeah let's yeah, put them so. in an eighty thousand seat stadium what are they when you won't even get what are they doing eight thousand you can't oh that's really disappointing. They, they pay for it, so they get it. Yeah. Okay. What well, that's what it's going to be. Um, why would you not put this back at Bankwest or the SCG, like like where the you should have just been Waratahs. playing at Bankwest the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this is the fixture uh, last year where the Waratahs went insane, and it was forty-five to twelve. This is heritage round, I think. It is. It's heritage round. So, literally, the last two games, um, Queensland won by 34 points in round one, and then Waratahs last year won by 33 points. So, it's going to be a big margin, I think. Yeah, but not not to the Waratahs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way I can spin that narrative, I don't think. Um, Reds are going to have a little bit of a tri-fest. It's going to be... A bit of an exhibition match I don't, by the end of it. I don't see how the Waratahs can be in the right frame of mind to come out and win this game. I just, I can't see it. They'd have to really start well, um, score a couple of tries early, and get the Reds panicking a bit. But just don't see the quality in their team to be out to be able to do that. Whether they ring some changes or not, that'll be interesting. Um, Penny's kind of shown he's not too willing to change too much regardless of the results unless he has to due to injury. Um, but, Lee, I think Swinton, if he's ever going to shine, he has to shine in this one. Um, Dempsey and Swinton really need to have good games for the, the Waratahs to have a chance. Yeah, definitely. Um, full steam ahead, the Reds, they, they will 
bring everything traditional um, rivalry here, like you know, top top traditional rivalry, and the Waratahs are just so lacking. Um, you know, we know that as individuals in you know in previous years or in other um, competitions, a lot of these guys have shown to be really impressive, but I I can't see enough of them switching that on going from last the last month's performances to peak performances to, to compete, it would have to be a real um, catastrophe for the Reds, injuries, cards, something to spin this one into a Waratahs win. And even then, um, you know, we probably need a good rainstorm and, um, and, and some to, to get the Reds off form. They're, they're just so strong at the moment. Mm. So, you know, you know, Brad Thorne's going to, he specializes in this sort of rivalry as well, being a Queensland and playing preparation. Queensland, yeah. yeah. They'll be, they'll be right up, ready to go. Yeah. Very, very much so. So, yeah, the Waratahs don't win this. And this is, this is probably one of my uh, hope to, hope to become famous 20 point margin tip games. Well, I actually would be looking out for it to be another record margin breaking that that margin actually set in what round two or whatever it was round one, one. yeah round yeah. one sorry the 35 um, points this time you reckon yeah oh more could be more than 40 you, you think that's what thorn would be saying like we did it once yep. why can't we do Put it on at the throat do better yeah let's let's choke rob penny out of this one because i don't see the waratahs going anywhere else but down at the moment sad, sad. state of affairs Speaking of a sad state of affairs, um, what would you say to a record like this this year? Losing by 40 points, losing by 23 points, losing by 38 points, losing by 41 points, losing by 42 points. What does that sound like to you? Chiefs? No, of course, I'm talking about Italy and the Six Nations. We're moving up to the Northern Hemisphere and that is their record. They finished off uh, 52 to 10 going down to Scotland on the weekend. Ireland showed a bit more fire, 32 to 18. They took down England and France is a nail biter, 32 to 30. They get a a try in the 80th minute uh, to go in front after um, a couple of yellow cards to Wales, a red card to the French as well. Um, It was all over this place. So, I mean, it means we're getting the Scotland-France game next weekend. Um, the ladder now looks like England is down in fifth with only two wins for the season. Scotland, so <laughs> Scotland's um, above them on post um, points difference, obviously with a game in hand. Uh, France need to win with a bonus point um, to put them equal, which means they and they need to win by more than twenty points to eclipse uh, the Welsh. So it's going to be big ask. Go I don't think it's a bridge too home. far. This is in, in Murrayfield or in Paris? It is in Paris. That helps. But, oh, yeah, that's right on the... on the. Like, Scotland, Scotland are decent this, this yeah. season as well. They've definitely improved. Or you have to score three tries more than your opposition. No, and you just that have to score four sh- tries in the sixth. Oh, do you have oh, to score four? It's different. Okay. But you still have to keep the margin... Above 20 21 or something, 20 points, yeah. yeah. That's difficult. I think Scotland is good enough Give me to a, keep it yes tight. Yes or no? Does it happen? What's the points difference? I think Scotland no. need not to go under England if they lose. No, they can't finish below England. 
I thought they caught on points different. Oh, can they? No, they've got 11 points to 10. Okay, Um, Okay. yeah. Good. If they got a negative one and they lost by over 50 points, then they might be able to go below. Yeah, no, okay. Trap game. No, I I think it's it's on the extreme range of outcomes that France pull off. That, Scotland were one that to deprive France of that. Of that's that. right. Oh, you know, that's, the that's, that's the motivation. Yeah. I think for all the disappointment the Wales would have felt losing on the weekend and losing that Grand Slam, I think they're still going to get to celebrate with a Six Nations title. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you are correct. They just have to wait one week longer to do it. Um, I'll quickly run through the scores of Major League Rugby, but I don't want to spend time on this this week, guys. We've had enough um, talking about the Wallabies, but we will get in a little bit more Major League Rugby in the coming weeks. We had San Diego Legion going down to New York, 36-29. to 29. LA Giltinis, Adam Ashley Cooper getting a meat pie and Gitto getting the start here with his um, a childhood fan, Harrison Goddard, previous Rebels. Number nine, 42 to 27 takedown, uh, the New England Free Jacks. Uh, Atlanta, um, they took down the Toronto Arrows, my team. I couldn't believe Atlanta coming into this competition did that, 21 to 14. Houston Sabercats took down Seattle Seawolves. Toby, what is happening to all of our teams? 30 to 24. And the Austin Giltinis just dropped below um, the Utah uh, Warriors, 30 to 28. And Nola... Gold and um, DC, the new team, uh, tied 26 all. So oh, I, I get the best result with Nola Gold. You like Nola Gold. I picked them ages ago for no good reason. So I feel like I'm going to change teams. I don't know. Do that. Sorry, you can't you do that. That's <laughs> not how this works. And this is the I lesson hate the for all of our name. You pick and you stick and then you work it out later. Okay. He loves Gitto so much. Yeah, but Gitto, I love him. I have to follow <coughs> Gitto. That's true. I do remember you. Like, I think you sent a few Valentine's Day cards to Gitto oh, over of the course, years, didn't you? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'll, um, uh, we'd mentioned the tipping before. My my theory with the tipping was tip the go- tip the team with the best record against their opposition, the better record, and if they're home, it was a it was a higher margin if they were playing them away. And I got two out of six. So what does that tell me that that this competition is not um, I suppose tiered yet like round one, but they're you know all these teams are rebuilding. All this, all these teams are developing new players, bringing in new imports. They're bringing in a lot of new players this year. Yeah. So I, I think, think I think the Giltinis are going to win it. It's looking quite at their roster. It's yeah, a good roster. A you got roster. you got Hoyles and Darren Coleman coaching, and then you got Adam Fryer running the show in the background. They've snapped yeah. up all this young Australian talent and mixed it with some old heads there. Obviously, the boys we've talked about the already. The great Dave Dennis, architect of the Waratahs. Dave Dennis, captain. Super rugby. He's had a lot of success, and, obviously, Waratahs and then Exeter Chiefs for a number of years and finishing his career in LA. And I think in their first season, I think they're going to win it. That's a hot tip right there. I mean, they've got the best name in the whole competition, so how could they not? Get out, Chiefs. It should, be, the, it should be Los Angeles Giddos. <laughs> it's a better name than the Giltinis, come on. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've changed the logo. The logo's decent, but I just don't get it. Like, all right, must be the most right, amazing right. martini in the world. <laughs> We're a drink. <laughs> We're not getting back into this again. Let's leave it there, guys. Um, 
as always, make sure you're tuning in um, to all our accounts on social media, on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod or on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast, and you'll see a few of those highlights coming through. I didn't even get a chance to talk about top league uh, moments this weekend, but I'll try and get a few highlights up there for you as well. Um, and we'll put up those team lists as well so you can do your own tips on there for the weekend and make sure you have um, subscribed to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Big long show, but God, it feels good to talk about the Wallabies um, again and it's and it's only going to get closer. And what else is going to get closer? A New Zealand-Australian travel bubble, which means trans-Tasman rugby, baby. We're not going to have to have the Queenstown Reds as Brad Thorne was um, saying he was going to move his entire franchise over there for the competition. No, I think we're going to have a proper trans-Tasman competition and I can't wait for it. But until then, keep on running. <laughs>